Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. What a beautiful morning of worship. What a beautiful morning of music. It's good to see each and every one of you. My name is Dennis, senior pastor of the church, and I welcome you here today on the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is the term of a Christian church season. It comes from the Latin word coming, and we are now preparing for the coming of Christ into Bethlehem, coming into our lives once again on this Christmas And so welcome. Welcome to those worshiping with us who are visiting from out of town with family and friends, and you're here today. I'm glad that you're here. And a special word to those worshiping online. We have a lot of our partners of ministry who are traveling today, but they're right here online worshiping. And I say good morning to you this morning. I don't know about you, but other than eating, I've been listening to Christmas music all week long, and I recently read that over a hundred stations, radio stations in the United States, have already flipped to their all Christmas music format. In fact, I did a little research and found the top ten Christmas songs that are played on the radio nationwide at this time. And I want to share them with you just for fun to get you in the listening mode this morning before we look into the word. See if you know these. Perhaps you'll find one of your favorite Christmas songs here on this list. Top 10. Number one, the Christmas song, Nat King Cole, Chestnuts Roasting Over an Open Fire, right? We knew that would be there. Holly Jolly Christmas, Burl Ives. Number three, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, Brenda Lee. Number four, All I Want for Christmas is You. Who sang that, by the way? Anybody know? Mariah Carey, right? And this one from Wham, Last Christmas. Number five, some people love that song. Some people don't like that song, but it's on the list. Number six, Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCarthy. Number seven, White Christmas, Bing Crosby. Number eight, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Now, this one was from Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five. Number nine, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, Andy Williams. And the one that made number 10, it's from Band-Aid. What could that be? It's this song. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Feed the world, feed the world. Now, one that did not make the list that I was hoping would make the list is one from Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Chipmunk song, singing about hula hoops. Did you get any of your top 10 in that top 10 list? Maybe a few? Okay, here are the top three religious songs played on the radio according to this one study. Do you hear what I hear? Oh, Holy Night and Little Drummer Boy that we sang this morning. Well, today we're kicking off a four-part teaching series that'll take us through this season entitled Christmas Playlist. And we're looking at some of the favorite songs of the Christmas season. Now, I want to give a little disclaimer this morning before we go on. We're not going to be talking about and singing jingle bells. 
Meaning, this series is not about holiday fluff. Seasons greetings. Oh, they're preaching Christianity light at Ginghamsburg Church this season. No, <laughs> we're not going to do that. We're actually going to go pretty deep into the word this season. A few months ago, I was thinking about this series and thinking about what direction to go. And this thought came to mind. During this season, we sing so many familiar songs, and some of these Christmas songs we've been singing all of our lives. We've been singing them 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and yet we know really little about the song. And we often do not think about what we are singing, let alone the biblical passage that inspired these hymn writers to write these words. And so what we're going to do is have a little fun. We're going to select a song every week. We're going to sing it. And then we're going to tell a little bit about its history. But more importantly, we're going to look at the scripture that inspired it. And we're going to dig a little deep into the Bible and learn some new things about the Christmas story. The song that we are dealing with today is one that we just sang during the offering. And that is, What Child Is This? Most Christmas songs tell a story or they make a statement. This song raises a question. What child is this whom laid to rest in Mary's lap is sleeping? We often ask the question, we often sing the statement without wonder and astonishment, assuming that we already know the answer. And what happens is we come up with a portrait of Jesus that remarkably looks a lot like ourselves. Philip Yancey, in his wonderful book entitled The Jesus I Never Knew, talks about how it can be found in all cultures that claim to follow Christ that often they create a Christ, they create a Jesus in their own image according to their own culture. And he uses examples. He says, for example, the Cuban government during the revolution distributed a painting of Jesus as the leader of the revolution with a, riv a rifle slung over his shoulder. He goes on to say that on many university campuses, Jesus is often portrayed as a Jewish sage that is teaching his students, his disciples. In the American Midwest here and in, in the Deep South, Jesus is often pictured as a clean-shaven fair-skinned, suit-wearing Republican. Yancey says, in San Francisco, don't be surprised to find a 60-style hippie leading a peace march that resembles Jesus. Because whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, whether you're independent, whether you're from this culture or that culture or this tribe or that we often create a Jesus in our own image that looks more like us. People who lived in Jesus' day didn't fare much better. It's been said the Pharisees 
leaders of the religious law, they saw Jesus as an irresponsible frat boy, a wine-bibber, and a drunkard. Those disciples who followed Jesus often looked through the lens of their own nationalistic dreams and looked for a Jesus who would be a brutal adventure against the tyranny of Rome. And they longed for the fact that Jesus would lead a movement as the anointed one who would make the streets run red with Roman blood. What child is this that even revolutionaries and hippies see him in their own image? Just know that if you think that you have it all figured out, when you ask the question, what child is this? Thinking you already know the answer, the truth is you probably don't. Somebody once said that in the beginning, God created humans in his own image. And ever since that day, humans have been attempting to return the favor. <laughs> but what we're going to do today is share good news. The truth is that we can have a crystal clear picture of Jesus. We can understand who Jesus is when we look through the lens of the Holy Bible. God has given us this scripture so we can understand who Jesus is, who he was, how he lived, and who he is today. It's kind of like going to the doctor to get new glasses, and perhaps your prescription is a little off. And so you sit in front of this doctor and they take you through a series of lenses of click, 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 right? Is this better? Is this better? Is this better? Is this better? And when we open up the lenses, when we open up the pages of scripture, when we read about Jesus, when we get to know Jesus more and more, who Jesus really is comes into crystal clear clarity. For each of us. And so when we ask the question, what child is this? Today we look to the gospel story. We look to Matthew chapter one. Some of you thought, well, he took a long time to get to the scripture. I'm here now. Matthew chapter one, one of the birth accounts. The gospel means good news. This is the good news according to Matthew. Verses 18 to 23. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, just follow right along, or you can follow along on, from the words behind me on the screen. Hear these words of good news for us of who Jesus is. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means 
God with us. Matthew 1.23, our key verse for the day. And he will be called Emmanuel, which means what, church? God with us. Say it again. God with us. And so today, this baby, born in Bethlehem, in a real place, at a real time, was called God with us. Let's just break that down as a little Bible study today, those three words, and look at the significance of that on this first Sunday of Advent. Let's begin with God. Matthew chapter 1, 23 makes an astonishing claim that this baby was unique, that this baby was God. This baby born in the manger was not simply a symbol of hope, not simply a symbol of light, not just a good man, not just a good teacher, not just a prophet or a person to bring wisdom, to enlighten the world. This baby was God who wrapped himself in the robes of humanity and came to live among us. In the beginning was the word, John 1, 1. And the word was with God and the word was God. That's what separates Christianity from all other religions, the uniqueness of Jesus being divine. We're not here to put others down. We're here in this place to lift Jesus up. Amen? Because we hold a high view of Jesus at Ginsburg. We have a, hold a high view of Jesus. Critics sometimes say, well, the Jewish people never expected the Messiah to actually be God. If you hear that, take them to the prophet Isaiah. Words written 700 years before the birth of Christ into Bethlehem. Or better yet, sing them a few bars of Handel's Messiah. Messiah. <laughs> Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called, check this out, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He will be called the Mighty God. And what this means is that no new person came into Bethlehem that night. Instead, the eternal person, God the Son, emptied himself from every attribute but one, love, and dwelt among us. Think about the names of God in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God is called several things. In the Old Testament, God is named Elohim, the creator God. In the New Testament, it is said of Jesus that nothing was made, nothing was created that was not made by him. In the Old Testament, we see that God is called Jehovah, the great I am. In the New Testament, Jesus said, before Abraham was... I am. In the Old Testament, God is called Ananiah, which means the boss. In the New Testament, we see when we come to Jesus, he becomes Lord. He becomes leader. He becomes the boss of our lives. In the Old Testament, God is called Jehovah Nishi, which means our 
banner of victory. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. In the Old Testament, God is called El Shaddai, the Almighty. In the New Testament, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is the Lord Almighty. Jesus is Emmanuel. What child is this? He is God. He is God with us. And that moves us to the next part. He is a with us kind of God. God has never been considered in the Old and New Testament a distant deity. God is a come close kind of God. 89 times in the Bible we see this little phrase referring to God. That God is with us. That God is for us. That God is on our side. Now think about that for a moment. That's an amazing truth claim. It's either true or not. What is being claimed here is that the God who could never be contained in time and space voluntarily reduced himself into the womb of a Jewish peasant girl. Not born in the comfort of a VIP suite at Miami Valley Hospital, but in a barn surrounded by animals. Several years ago, when I was pastoring in Piqua, I led several teams to the Central American country of Nicaragua. I had partnered with my buddy, Pastor Jim Wilson, who was the pastor of Troy United Methodist Church, and he had started leading teams down there, and I know several from our church from Gingersburg went down with him as they founded a place for disabled children called Bradley's House of Hope. Jim is now currently our district superintendent, but I had led several teams with Jim at that time, around 2006, 2007. And I'll never forget visiting the Managua City Dump. Managua is the capital of Nicaragua. Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere behind Haiti. And there are over, at the time, around 2,000 people who lived around the dump in shanties. They would spend their days savaging through the dump for things they could find to sell or even to eat. I literally, with my own eyes, saw a child fighting over a piece of garbage, a piece of food with a vulture. This was literally hell on earth. Finally, several years ago, the Nicaraguan government transplanted those people out from the dump and would not allow them to live there and created a place for them to live. But this was described by human rights organizations as being one of the worst places on human earth. And there we were. And yet, there were things that really touched my heart as we were there. Whole families stepped out behind the piles of rubbish with rotted teeth, mismatched shoes, rags for clothes, and yet at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, they were dancing and laughing and celebrating and saying they were living in victory. And I'm thinking, you're living in victory? You're in literal hell and you're living in victory? 
And I'm back here in Miami County. I have a hang now. I'm ready to give up on God. What did they have? What child is this that even people in the midst of hell can find hope? What child is this to change a life and to change the course of a person's life for eternity? Well, my wife Rachel and I visited one home near that dump. It was basically a shanty, a little four-wall little wooden house thrown together by some spare boards they'd found in the dump. They did most of their eating outside. If you're in that environment, you've been there, you know what those look like. Dirt floor. The doors would be blankets they would put up. We went to this one man's house, and because I'm a pastor, and he was a Catholic Nicaraguan, he called me father. Padre. He said, Padre, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And he brought out two plastic chairs for us to sit down. And then he said with a smile and with honor, Padre, do you like Coca-Cola? I said, yes, si, si, senor, si. Clear I wasn't thinking correctly. (laughs) And then he disappeared and he came back around a blanket with a dusty, warm, two-liter bottle of Coke. And he was holding it like it was the Holy Grail, the family treasure that he was going to share with a friend. You could tell this was not an everyday pleasure or something they would do, but it was a special occasion. A group of Americans were here to visit with them. And they were splurging. They were going all out. And then with the flair of an Oregon district waiter in a trendy little new restaurant, he came around a curtain and then pulled out two Dixie cups. I don't know where he got those cups, and I didn't want to ask at that point. (laughs) I was committed at that point. And so I just kind of made the sign of the cross here (laughs) and shared a warm Coke with a friend. It was into such a place that the Son of God came, that Jesus came. He came, not in a fancy palace, but he was born that night in a stinky, bacteria-filled animal barn. You could have found that place in the dark if you were downwind because there's no sterile way to reach us in our lostness, friends. John put it this way, and the word, meaning the living word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. Another translation puts it this way, and God came and moved into our neighborhood. I like that. What child is this? He is Emmanuel, God with us. And that speaks to every need of our life, doesn't it? It speaks to every hope we dream and every fear that we face. And even if we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, if we've lost a loved one this year, that speaks to us. Because he's with us in our problems each day. 
He's with us in our disappointments. He's with us in our heartbreaks. He's with us with our struggles and our anxieties that we have. He's with us when we go into surgery. He's, he's with us when we come home burdened from what happened at work that day. He's with us as we pray for our adult children to come home to family and come home to Jesus. He's with us. He's not left us or forsaken us. This carol, what child is this that our American culture can recognize? I would safely say that most people, whether they're believers or not, they've heard of this song. It's all over the airwaves. It's in our tradition. It's in our culture. What child is this? It was not written by a church official. It was written by a depressed insurance salesman in Glasgow, Scotland, 150 years ago, named William Chatterton Dix. He was 29 years old when he wrote this song. William Dix had the world at his fingertips. Life was good. He had a good education. He was going up through the ranks and in the business world. He was making money. He thought the future was his. And then at 29 years old, he got really ill. So much so that he was confined to a bed where he became deeply depressed. He looked at his future and then could not see what was beyond his illness. Would he even live through this? And he was ready to give up on life. And then, at this time, he found a God who did not come down on him in his weakness, but he found a God in Christ that came among him in weakness and also in strength to lift him up to a new life, no matter what you're going through. Now I'm preaching. No matter what you're going through this season, God this year comes to you crawling on his hands and feet as a baby to be with you. I began this message by saying that most Christmas songs are a story or they're a statement. This carol is a question, the ultimate question. It's the question of all ages. What child is this that peasants and kings bow down to him? What child is this who even the course of our Western civilization has changed from, now we call it, B.C. to A.D., the year of our Lord. What child is this? And the answer is found in the song. This, this is Christ the King, whose shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. And so how will we respond today? How will we respond and making him king. Will you today respond the same way that William Chatterton Dix responded 
when he said, so bring him incense, gold and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The king of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Today, we can do that. We can make him king of our lives. We can make him the almighty. We can make him Adonai. We can make him Jehovah Nisi. We can make him Elohim. We can make him all these things in our lives by responding to his call to follow him. We can give him our hearts. Will you today join William Chatterton Dix in singing this song? Lord, I thank you that you have not left us to do this thing called life on our own. In fact, you have come alongside even on your hands and knees as a baby. You came right into our world of imperfection. And we realize the only reason why we can be here with you is because you really want us here. You love us that much that you lived and then you went to the cross on our behalf that we might know that we are made right with God through you. Today we surrender our hearts to you. We give you our future. We give you our families. We give you this season of Advent at Gingsburg Church. May we respond to your call of the question, what child is this, by giving you our heart. For this we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I invite you to stand, and we're going to sing that song once again. And let's make this our prayer as we close today. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.